Welcome to Animal Health Insights. This podcast was created to connect producers, veterinarians, and animal owners, and to introduce you to the people and the organizations who are working to support animal health in Canada. Our podcast is developed with the support of the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System. Through these podcasts, CAS aims to engage veterinarians, producers, and the public in discussions around animal health and infectious disease as part of work to strengthen animal health surveillance through knowledge, awareness, and data sharing. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Todd. Let's get started. Anyone who has been working in veterinary clinics throughout the pandemic will be all too aware of the increase in pet ownership, and specifically puppy and dog adoption that's occurred throughout the past while. Sometimes it seems that everyone everywhere is on the hunt for a new furry companion to add to the family, and veterinarians have certainly had their hands full trying to keep up to this increased demand for veterinary medical services. Dog breeders in Canada are taking reservations years into the future for puppies, and prices for puppies are rising. Pet rescue organizations have also been scrambling to fill this puppy void, and increasing numbers of dogs are imported into Canada each year from far-off locations. Sometimes these dogs are imported from countries where they've had a drastically different climate and potentially very different parasite or infectious disease threats for both dogs and for humans. When we import dogs from far away, it is essential that we think about these infectious organisms that they could potentially be bringing into our country as tagalongs. Canadian veterinarians are experts in identifying clinical signs and diagnosing infectious diseases that are endemic or normally occurring in this country. Every so often, however, we might be stumped on a case. Taking a careful clinical history may identify that a certain patient has been imported from afar, and when there is an unusual clinical sign, a weird skin lesion, a bleeding disorder, strange ocular findings, or an insect on a patient that we don't recognize, this may set our spidey senses tingling. It is impossible to keep every single infectious disease front and center in our minds, But we know when something seems weird or unusual that we need to call in some help. In 2020, this is exactly what happened in Quebec, Canada, when multiple veterinarians started to notice some weird and unusual things in their canine patients. And, as it turns out, these unusual findings were all observed in dogs that were imported to Canada. I don't want to give away the whole story here, so I will introduce Dr. Christopher Fernandez Prada, He is a veterinarian and a molecular parasitology researcher who is devoted to tackling zoonotic parasites. Dr. Fernandez Prada is currently director of the Parasitology Diagnostic Laboratory and an assistant professor at the University of Montreal. In addition, he is also an adjunct professor at McGill University Faculty of Medicine. He's deputy director of the Animal Infectious Diseases Research Group, and he is a member of the steering committee of the Canadian Network in Neglected Tropical Diseases. Recently, Dr. Fernandez Prada was the first veterinarian to receive the Canadian Institutes of Health Research Prize, the Bagrath Singh Early Career Award in Infection and Immunity. So I think it's fair to say that he's an expert in this field. Welcome to Animal Health Insights, Dr. Fernandez Prada. Thank you very much for having me today. So just so I don't leave our listeners hanging, could you please take over the story here and tell us what these veterinarians were noticing in their patients? So we are seeing in the last couple of years that there are many new things that are arriving to Canada. So I have many practitioners that are having very weird questions about new cases in dogs. Mainly we have seen new things also in cats. But I think what is really, really concerning me today are dogs that are coming to Canada. 
So we have dogs that are been traveling from different countries, especially from Europe, South America, and India. And when arriving to Canada, they are developing weird lesions that vets have never seen before here in Canada. So they normally reach out the faculty to try to discuss with different people. And finally, they reach me and we try to find which fancy parasites are these that are being brought to Canada in these new dogs. We are having a, a new bunch of animals with different clinical signs. These dogs are having weird skin lesions that are going to open and ulcer within days after their arrival uh, to Canada. So vets think that could be because it was a fight in the country, so the, the dogs arrive here with a scar. And sometimes there is not a honest history of, of the animal. So sometimes people is taking these dogs and the, the last owner or the people that are selling them or giving them in, in adoption don't tell the whole story. And other important fact with this is that normally there is not a lot of digging in information when we are importing these animals. So many, many owners will never ask if there are specific diseases in the country that could be a risk for the animal or the families here in Canada. So we are trying to uh, diagnose all those diseases. I think today we will be discussing a little bit about leishmania. That is one of the most frequent that we are seeing now being imported in Canada. So what clinical signs are associated with the disease of leishmania in dogs? So it's nothing extremely specific. I will say that we should include leishmania in the differential diagnosis, especially when we are seeing an animal that has traveled from an endemic country. You have to think that leishmania is endemic right now in 88 countries all around the world. So it, it's really frequent and more frequent than we think. So if you have an animal that could have skin lesions like dermatitis, alopecia, could be any kind of mucocutaneous ulcerative process, or you are seeing that the nails of the dog are growing really fast, that could be a sign that we are maybe seeing a case of leishmania. Then if you check the, the renal function, sometimes you will see a proteinuria. The animal is normally presenting polydipsia. There are many other specific symptoms that could help. Normally, the animal is going to lose a lot of weight. You could see anemia because sometimes the cells got destroyed in the blood. And sometimes you can see ocular pathologies that could be associated to leishmania, especially blepharitis. So if you have any of those and you don't know what's going on with the dog, I would recommend you to include leishmania in your differential diagnosis. So leishmaniasis is normally a pretty rare diagnosis in Canada. Why is this? I mean, the, the, the easiest answer, I, I will say that it's not frequent in Canada. Uh, it's not an end Canada is not an endemic country for leishmania. So I think the closest country uh, to Canada, which is endemic for leishmania, it's Mexico. We are seeing an increase in demicity on, in the United States, but still, depending to whom uh, you ask, you will have a different answer on that. Another important fact is that in the life cycle of leishmania, you will have an insect vector that will transmit the disease. And traditionally, we are exempt of this vector in Canada. So normally leishmania, it's transmitted by sandflies. It could be the genus Phlebotomus or Alutsomia in South America. Those are like the traditional vectors that would transmit the disease. However, we have in Canada different phlebotomes that could be potential vectors for leishmania. And we know now that uh, some ticks uh, could act as a, a reservoir for leishmania and could involve in the, in the life cycle of the parasite. So what we are trying to do is to avoid that the parasite enter the country 
and get established in the dog population to avoid that we have new enzootic cycles that start inside the country, maybe through uh, competent phlebotomies or uh, through ticks. So we are doing a lot of interventions now with the government and with vet associations to try to educate and to ask for a specific testing before coming to Canada. So you got into this a little bit already, but could you explain then what insects are able to transmit this disease to dogs? You just mentioned the insects that are blood sucking, is that correct? Yeah, so so there is not much that is known about the exotic life cycle of Leishmania. We know the life cycle since 1902 when the parasite was discovered and they saw that the sunfly was a competent vector that was able to transmit the disease. They found that this first vector and people stopped asking if other insect vectors could be involved in the transmission of the disease. As I told you before, we know that Lutsomia in South America and Phlebotomus in, in Europe and India are able to, to transmit the disease either to animals or to humans. But there were some studies in, in Brazil and Italy and, and other countries that show that ticks are competent vectors for Leishmania. So I, I think it was in 2011 that they did a study in Brazil. So they took 60 dogs that were parasite infested with ticks and they checked the status in both the dogs and the ticks and they found that around 20% of the ticks that were feeding on Leishmania positive dogs were carrying the parasite. So that was a shock for the parasitology community and also for the public health because that has major implications. And the, the year after in Italy in 2012, they recover. I think they have around 40 dogs and they recover around 30 ticks. They were Ripicephalus sanguineus. That's a tick that we have in Canada and in the States. And they found that 10% of those ticks were carrying the parasite. And then again in 2014, if I remember correct, they check in Brazil again in a different region, around 30 to 40 dogs. And they observed that around 20 to 30% of those ticks recovered from dogs infected with Leishmania. Again, Ripicephalus sanguinus were carrying the parasite. So I know some colleagues now are doing some research to see if a tick of the genera Ripicephalus, which is infected by Leishmania, is able to transmit the disease. So we are not certain 100% right now, but we know that the parasite is able to survive and reproduce inside the tick. So, I mean, it's, it's clear that could play a role in the, in the transmission eventually. So you mentioned in 2020 that some veterinarians were contacting your diagnostic lab in order to do some specific testing. And this testing is not right now widely available. What screening or diagnostic tests should veterinarians be running if they suspect leishmaniasis in a patient? Yeah, I think this is the key question because it's, it's really complicated to diagnose leishmania in general because we don't have a gold standard either for humans or dogs. So normally the WHO will consider the gold standard, the isolation of the parasite, so seeing the parasite per se. So that's really complicated and requires expertise in parasite isolation and culture, which uh, both are done in my lab right now. And there are many other people working on Leishmania in Canada, but mostly in the human side, not in the dogs. But the techniques are quite the same. What we did with these cases, it's because we don't have right now a, a test that has been approved in Canada for the diagnosis of uh, Leishmania. Because in Europe, there are some rapid tests that could be used, either based on antigen or antibodies. There are some that are like a snap test for, for Leishmania. But unfortunately, we cannot use them in Canada right now. We can only use them for research, not for diagnosis, because they don't have been cleared by the government yet. So we are working 
on that. So we, we want to have this rapid test in Canada. But what we did in our lab was in the research lab. So we were helping our vets because they were suspicious of having leishmania in, in, in the dogs. So we took different blood samples. We got aspirates from the bone marrow and the lymph nodes. And we were able to isolate the parasite in many of those cases. And one thing that was specific to our lab that there is not other lab right now doing that, we cultured the parasites and we checked the genomic profile. And also we check for the sensitivity to the different drugs that we can administer to the dog to treat it. We did that because we were one interest in the drug resistant profile of parasites that has been imported to, to Canada. And then we want to propose the best treatment for those dogs. We have to think also that currently we have two treatments that could help in, in the case of canine leishmaniasis. We have antimonial drugs and we have miltefosin. And both have to be released by the government or have to be imported from different countries because we don't have them in Canada right now. So we want to be sure. And we were really surprised because in the different parasites that we recovered, we found some that were resistant to antimonial drugs because they were coming from high endemicity areas where these drugs has been used since 1940-something. So it's, it's really easy to have drug-resistant parasites circulating right now. So we want to be sure that the patient will be treated with a drug that will be effective. But the problem with leishmania, and that's a thing that both owners and vets should know, it's that it's, it's a treatment for life. So there, there is not parasitological cure for leishmania. We can reduce the symptoms and try to stop the parasite, but normally it will hide in the, in the bone marrow and it will come either months or years later after we have stopped the treatment. So it could be really, really expensive and it could be a lot of work for the owner and a lot of suffering for the dog. So what we prefer now is if the, the dog is coming from an endemic country, in those countries they already test that has been approved for leishmania. We are asking the vets to tell their clients that if they are bringing dogs, please test them before thinking of bringing them to, to Canada. That makes a lot of sense. I hope that that type of testing is possible for rescues and people who are importing dogs to pursue I know one of the reasons that you have this testing on hand in your laboratory is because you do some specific research on leishmania. Could you explain a bit of background about your current investigations and why this type of research is important? Sure, yeah, that would be my real pleasure. So right now we have different research lines that are either supported by the Canadian Institutes of Health Research, so these are more focused in human health, and we have also from the National Research Council for Engineering and Natural Science, so NSERC, that are more focused on understanding how the parasite is working in animals and how we can detect better and treat better in, in dogs. So currently we are trying to find new specific markers in, in blood that will allow us to develop a fast test for, for diagnosis. And so we have already found specific markers for drug-resistant parasites circulating in blood. And that's really encouraging because we will be soon assume it's, it's a big word. <laughs> uh, maybe it will be later than I think, but I, th I think we are close to being able to develop some tests that will allow us to know if the animal or the human being is infected with leishmania and we could know really fast if these parasites will be sensitive or resistant to the treatment that we are going to propose. So that will reduce the time that the vet or the physician will require to take a decision 
and uh, it will be a really guided decision. So the prognosis will be better. We have to think that visceral leishmaniasis, that is the, the deadly form of the parasite, can kill both uh, the dog or the human being within two years if we don't give the, the correct treatment. As I said, it, it's an expensive treatment. It has to be cleared to be, to be used in Canada. So that's one of our research lines. The other one, it's mainly developing new vaccines against leishmania. So we are trying to develop vaccines for both dogs and humans in collaboration with the WHO. It's multicentric, so we have collaborators at McGill, uh, we have in Spain, and uh, in France, so uh, in Brazil. So we are trying to, to figure out how to tackle this, this fancy parasite. I just thought I would step in to clarify for people who are listening who may not be veterinarians. Can you confirm if leishmania can be transmitted from a dog to a human? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that that's a gap that we're, we're forgetting. So the thing is like leishmania normally will need the vector to transmit the disease. So you have the sand fly that will bite the dog or the human and then will bite again. So the parasite will be transmitted during the, the blood meal. However, we think, and there are some literature on that, that if there is a, a bite in which there is exchange of blood, it could be a transmission of leishmaniasis. So that could be another option that could be transmitted from dogs to humans. But in a regular basis, leishmania is not going to be transmitted from the dog to the human if there is not a vector. So there is not direct risk of transmission if the dog is infected. For sure, we are advocating a lot in terms of public health to avoid to having a pool of dogs that are infected with this parasite in Canada because we don't know if we will see the rise of endozoonotic cycles here in Canada. So maybe ticks or other vectors could be in the future be involved in new cycles here in, in the country. But the dog per se, he's not, it's not dangerous for, for the human being. Thanks for explaining that. So if a pet owner is thinking about adopting or has already adopted a dog that was imported to Canada, what information should they be discussing with their veterinarian? And how do they know if they need to be concerned about leishmania? Are there other diseases that they should also be aware of? Every time that an animal is imported, it would be nice to do a, a complete checkup of the animal. Even if you don't do a specific test for a specific parasites, if you do a frottee or another test in the blood, normally a pathologist can see if the parasites are circulating in blood. So you will see Ehrlichia, you will see Leishmania, you will see Bebesia. So you, you can see many parasites that we are not used to see right now because they, they were not present in the territory. So that would be an an expensive, easy way to check if we have something that could be going on in our animal. So I will recommend that. On the other hand, my, my real recommendation will be testing before entering the country because the specific tests are cheap and available in the different countries of origin. That said, that, that worked well when you are importing animals from South America or from Spain, France or Italy, for example, that they have really good tests that they can do in five minutes in the clinic. The problem is that, for example, now we are seeing some NGOs uh, that are bringing dogs from, from India, so they are rescues from the street. So there is not testing or history of disease on those animals. And for me, those are the high risk when we talk about animal importation. So at that point, it would be interesting, uh, I would say, really important to, to get some tests approved in Canada. But the way it works, we have to prove that the disease is important and present in Canada to get the test released. So what we can do now with the different diagnosis companies that, that are present in Canada, most of them they also have presence in the States. So Leishmania is tested in the States with no problem. So the, the test is it's routine. 
So many of these companies that are here in Canada can send the samples to the States to, to get tests, for example, to do a PCR for detecting leishmania. So that would be another advice. So contact your diagnosis company or center so they could ship the samples to the States and get them tested, and then you can propose a treatment to your patient. And if not, it's not durable, but we are trying to help the vets that are in need. So in our lab, we are interested in leishmania. So we are doing like right now, everything that was done in the lab was done by for free to help the vets, but also to collect the different parasites that are arriving to Canada and to have an idea of the drug resistant profile. So we are developing now two kinds of PCR that I hope next year will be available, but it's the same kind of PCR that the other commercial diagnosis companies will offer. So it could be kind of the same test that is already done in Europe or in the States, but we are trying to make it accessible to, to Canadians. That's very exciting. It'll be great if we can have a, a homegrown option, so to speak. In a perfect world, what diseases do you think imported dogs should be screened for and why? That's a really, a really, a really complex question. I know that many Canadians go to different countries on holidays, so they go to a clinic and they inform them to uh, the different diseases that are present in the country. So they get vaccinated, they get uh, protection, or they got uh, prophylactic measures that we avoid that we get, for example, malaria. So in a perfect world, the idea is that a person that wants to, to import an animal should visit the vet before here in Canada. And the vet should have access to a database in which we know the different countries and we have the different diseases that could be zoonotic or could be imported to Canada. So the vet will inform the owner and the owner will contact with the country in which he wants to, to get the animal and get like a passport saying that the animal is free for all those diseases, but at least he knows that the animal is infected and he's engaged to treat the animal and try to keep the animal in the best way possible. So, so I, I think that would be the ideal way of doing. For sure, if the government takes a part of that and it's not forcing but encouraging testing of animals that has been imported, right now we know that the government will uh, demand that we have to have an animal that is rabies-free. So why not an animal that is leishmania-free to enter the country? So the problem here is that the testing should be accessible and should be available in Canada to verify one year or two years after the animal has been imported that there is not reactivation of the disease. And that is the point why we are working on developing some home tests that will be available for Canadians. And I mentioned here the, the government, and I was really happy the other day they have a new campaign on Facebook and, and other social networks in which they were saying that be careful when you adopt an animal, a companion animal, because sometimes you are also adopting infectious diseases. And I was really happy to see that they are taking action on this side. It was time to, to have this going on. And I was really surprised because if you check the comments on the, of, of the people that was reading the post, everyone that was commenting, not everyone, but most of the people was claiming that the government was fear-mongering the society again, that, they, that we should put masks on our dogs. So I, th I think right now with COVID going on, uh, everything is really complicated and people is really sensitive to everything. But at least uh, the government is trying to do something nice and putting infectious diseases in the forefront. So, so we, we are now seeing an investment on the outside. And I will say also that there is an initiative by, by my colleagues in Wealth, by Dr. Scott Wies and Katie Klo, and also Catherine Belanger from the Ontario Veterinary College. I think they are collaborating with the CVMA and the Public Agency of Canada. 
that are trying to do a study to assess the human and animal health risk associated to canine importation. So I encourage everyone to check their website and try to enroll on that because that will be a really nice source of information for everyone. So perhaps then a a bit of a broader question, what goals should be considered when we're thinking about disease surveillance for companion animals like dogs and cats that are either within Canada or entering into Canada? I think there are two scenarios that we should confront soon. The first one is the the importation of new animals into Canada. And as I said, it would be ideal to have like a passport with all the disease that could be important to avoid to enter in Canada, or at least to to flag these animals and to have a regular checkup to to see the evolution of the disease in, in those cases. So I think what we should be proposed, in my opinion, would be testing, declare which diseases are present in those animals before entering the country. Then we will have as Canadians to decide which disease we are able to, to live with here in the country, with which kind of risk we want to have, and evaluate the situation to maybe ban the importation of animals positive to a specific disease. I'm not saying that leishmania should be the one, that could be another one. So for doing that, we need a good One Health approach. So we get many different actors to come together. So we need people from the government that gets really interested in confronting this growing problem. We have the vets. I think the vets right now are the first line on detecting emerging diseases all around the globe. So that's one of the beauties and responsibilities of veterinary professionals. It's that we will see the diseases. And we will be like the lighthouse that will show the rest of the society what's coming to our shores. So that's, that's really important. And then we have to see also in, in humans what's going on in the dynamic of infectious diseases in humans. That's another, another box that should be open and put all together. We know that Canadian soldiers came from, from Iraq or Afghanistan with Lishmania. We have Canadian tourists that go to South America or Europe or India come with leishmania. So there are many, many ways that leishmania or other pathogens can reach Canada. And we have to work all together in that One Health approach to have clear guidelines and tools, especially tools, because if we want to do surveillance, we need a specific test and a good direction to to be able to to survey and control the, the different diseases that could emerge in the country. That concept of One Health disease surveillance just kind of just blew my mind a little bit. I, it's, it's a that's a huge task. Just knowing how much goes into you know animal health and disease surveillance, and then also in human disease surveillance. But certainly, I think a a great goal. If a veterinarian is concerned about potential infectious pathogens such as leishmania in a dog or in a cat that is known to be an imported animal, who should they contact? I will say that we are many experts in the country right now. So you have in your provincial vet school, you have experts in infectious diseases. So it could be me, it could be another one. So we have a specific parasitology and infectious disease professors in the different schools that for sure will be extremely happy to help you understanding what's going on with your animal. So for me, that will be the first line of action. And if this has to be derived to another expert, we will accompany you and and to give you uh, phone numbers, emails, whatever you need. So I think it's important. And having the data of these animals entering the country in our vet schools will allow us to teach the students about new diseases that they will be confronting in the coming years. So it's, it's a double goal that we are accomplishing here. We are 
protecting the society and we are training the next generation in this new old diseases, I would say that way, that are now more and more frequent in, in Canada. Thank you so much, Dr. Fernandez Prada, for updating us on leishmania and on its potential for emergence in our canine Canadian populations. We'll be certain to share some of the resources and information and contacts you've mentioned on our website at cas.ca. Thanks for joining us today on Animal Health Insights. Once again, I'd like to thank the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System for their support of the Animal Health Insights podcast. CAS is an initiative of the National Farmed Animal Health and Welfare Council, and it has broad-based support from both livestock sectors and from government. CAS brings together data and information from across Canada in order to demonstrate animal health and to guide planning on national animal health priorities. Effective disease surveillance can demonstrate the health of our animals, and it enables prompt action to minimize the negative impacts of disease. Funding is provided through the Agri-Assurance Program under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a federal, provincial, territorial initiative.